Blog Talk Radio. One source for knowledge in the information age. High Frequency Radio Network. Thank you. 
out of my mind Feeling like committing a crime Get a lot for that I won't snitch, I ain't dropping a dime I'm a self-made hustler, top of the line
All right. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Foundation here on High Frequency Radio Network. This is the Foundation, and we are High Frequency, where we understand incorrect information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. Correct information incorrectly applied can get you hurt. But we are always applying that correct information correctly here at the foundation. I want to start off by saying all thanks, praises, and honors due to the creator and ancestors. As well as say peace, shout out, salute, big up to my big brother Yusuf L. Uncle Yusuf. Big brother Yusuf. Uncle Yusuf. Uncle L. You can call them whatever you want. High Frequency Radio Network Creator, Private Side Solutions, SPC University. My man's the what is he? He over here on Instagram now. He the Airbnb King, Airbnb Elite. Shout out to Yusuf L, man. And I would like to welcome you to check out Welcome to the Foundation.com. Sign up for the email list. A lot of the promotions. They go through the email list. If you got to be a subscriber, I don't say anything on the air. And we're doing, you know, a foundation offering currently. So make sure you get signed up for that email list. Welcome to the foundation.com. As well as check out the PDF section. Free knowledge, free knowledge. Check out the education tab. Got the Passport No Social Part 1. Passport No Social Part 2. Foundation Trust Primer, over 18 documents handpicked by yours truly. If you're just getting into trust, you don't like, hey, where do I start? I don't even know what you're talking about. I suggest you get the Foundation Trust Primer and then you get the Foundation Trust Series. That's part one, part two, and part three. You can find all of these offerings at welcometothefoundation.com in the education tab. As well as you can book a consultation on the website. You can make a donation on the website. You can find the Instagram, the Twitter page, Facebook page, if you're into that dance. All at the same spot. Welcome to the foundation.com. I want to say peace to all the listeners. All the live callers, live listeners, archive listeners, internet listeners, MP3 listeners. I don't know how you're listening, but if you're checking out the show, I want to say peace to you. Past, present, and future. I want to say peace to all the trustees and private trustee training. Salute. Setting up your private estate, you know. Doing that, I mean, you, you know, hey, I think you're right and wrong from the past. You, you're setting up stuff for the future. I mean, you're doing a lot of karma, karma, uh, you know, positive movement when you, you know, setting up your private estate. You know, maybe we just don't recognize it or, or look at it like that. I also want to say peace to all those invested in their private education. I want to say peace to anyone that we have done business with in the private, as well as anyone who sent an email or well wishes or current event, or anyone who is otherwise added to the foundation. Peace, salute, shout out, peace. Today's show, this episode is the Foundation Private Finance 201. Last week, we did Private Finance 101 on the show. You know, we went over how... You know, you're weak. You're weak in the mind, man. You're, you're, you're conditioned to consume. You're conditioned to, 
to spend those notes. You know, we went over that. We went over <clears throat> tangible assets, assets versus liabilities. We went over what a note is. Um, discuss gold and silver, different types of savings, how we save in the private. Um, and then we went into some other things. You may want to check out that show from last week. It's uh, the Foundation Private Finance 101. This is 201. We're going to jump in right after these current events. So let's jump into these. Jump in these I'm going to splash right up in here. First one we got, the Dow just hit 30,000. 30,000 points on the Dow. It was a long road to get there. The average began tracking the most powerful corporate stocks in 1896. 125, <laughs> excuse me, 125 years ago. And it has served as a broad measure of the market's health through 22 presidents, 24 recessions, a Great Depression, and two global pandemics. Along the way, it has also weathered at least two stock it, wow, stock market crashes and innumerable rallies, corrections, bull and bear markets. The last three years have been more of a roller coaster ride. The Dow and the S&P both closed lower in 2018, marking the worst year for the blue chip stocks in a decade. Yada, yada, so on and so on. 30,000 points on the Dow. That's that's the news. We reach an all-time high in the Dow. Meanwhile, Reuters.com, U.S. consumer confidence slips. House prices surge. U.S. consumer confidence fell more than expected in November amid a widespread resurgence in infections and business restrictions, reinforcing expectations for a sharp slowdown in economic growth in the fourth quarter. I'm in a good mood, y'all. I apologize. The survey from the conference board on Tuesday followed on the heels of reports this month showing a moderation in job growth and retail sales in October. The number of people filing new claims for unemployment benefits increased in mid-November. And that's all bad because jobless aid for nearly 14 million Americans to expire the day after Christmas, says Reuters.com. The number of Americans receiving unemployment benefits under pandemic programs set to expire the day after Christmas continued to rise in early November, according to the Labor and the Labor Department, Department of Labor and Statistics. I mean, whatever. That's what they said today. That means millions of families will see incomes fall sharply in the middle of the holiday season, making it harder for them to afford rent, groceries, and other necessities as of November 7th, the most recent data available. A total of 13,700,000 people were receiving unemployment benefits through Emergency Cares Act-related programs expiring December 26th. That is up from 13,100,000 the week ending October 31st. The national average weekly benefit was $317 in October. While some people may find jobs before their benefits run out, rising infections threaten to dampen holiday hiring, slow the economic recovery, and increase job losses. The majority of people receiving emergency benefits or 
9,100,000 people are enrolled in pandemic unemployment assistance, which expanded unemployment benefits to freelancers and self-employed people who wouldn't usually qualify for this aid. Some four and a half million people collect pandemic emergency unemployment compensation, which provides 13 extra weeks of benefits for people who have exhausted state benefits. Enrollment is growing steadily as more people use up their benefits, which last for up to 26 weeks in most cases. Dang, dang. And this is, you know, this is, man, I'm not one of those people that likes to be right, especially when the when me being correct is, is, is negative for so many people. But this is why you need to start your own business and reduce your dependency on the public. I'm so serious. CNBC Dow pulls back more than 150 points after reaching 30,000 point milestone. The Dow Jones Industrial Average today fell back, taking a breather after reaching a significant milestone while traders poured over disappointing unemployment data. The Labor Department said that 778,000 people filed for unemployment benefits for the first time last week. Economists polled by Dow Jones expected initial jobless claims to come in at 733,000. Quote, there was building evidence that claims were going to hit a near term bottom and downward mo- momentum, which was already slowing, that had been intact for months would reverse. The data of the past two weeks emphatically confirms these expectations. This is Thomas Simmons, money market economist at Jeffries. Not looking good, player. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Reuters, S&P 500, Dow retreat from record highs after bleak jobless data. CNBC op-ed, IRS tax refund backlog act adds to Americans' hardship during COVID-19. Right now, the IRS is lagging badly behind with over 3 million pieces of unopened mail and 1 million unprocessed tax returns in their hands. This year has posed a hardship for millions of Americans and delays and confusion in the agency that handles our money and taxes are only compounding that stress. Yeah. Like other Trump administration agencies, the mismanagement of the Internal Revenue Service has a disproportionate impact on working Americans. So if they're behind on the refund checks from earlier this year, what's going on with the refund checks coming up? I mean, people, these dependencies, reduction is a mustion. And under the 778,000 Americans filed first-time unemployment claims last week, CNN Business, CNBC, Thanksgiving is usually a $250 million box office hall. This weekend, it will be hard to reach $20 million. Thanksgiving box office is set to see its worst haul in decades. In recent weeks, the number of cases has reached historic highs and the number of theaters open to the public has shrunk. Quote, the pandemic has negatively impacted every traditionally important box office holiday from Memorial Weekend to Fourth of July and even sidelined the almighty summer movie season. 
So it's no surprise that Thanksgiving would be impacted as well. Man, what's this dude's name? Paul Durgarabedian? <laughs> Durga Durgarabedian. What? My man's name is Paul Durgarabedian. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> Cause I give yo, in the last decade, the five day Thanksgiving spread consisting of Wednesday before Thanksgiving through Sunday has resulted in more than two hundred fifty million dollars in ticket sales each year. The only two years that didn't hit this threshold were 2011 and 2014, but the box office tally still surpassed 230 million in each case. <laughs> Here he comes again. Quote: Usually, it's a time frame when family and friends get together, and historically, it's been a big weekend. This year, it's literally going to be a turkey. Durgarabedian. <laughs> Yo, my man's name is Durgarabedian. That's that's unique. Let me get on out of here. Get off me, Dirk Rebedian. Reuters.com, Exxon to cut 14,000 jobs, man. As pandemic hits oil demand, bro. Look, Bri Bri. Exxon Mobil said last week it could cut its global workforce by 15%, including deep white collar staff reductions in the United States. White collar, you know, most of us are blue, blue collar workers. You know, white collar workers typically feel secure in their jobs. Blah, blah, Exxon. Exxon and other oil producers have been slashing costs due to a collapse in oil demand and ill-timed bets on new projects. The top U.S. oil company earlier outlined more than $10 billion in budget cuts this year. Quote, the impact of the, you know what I'm saying? The pandemic on the demand for Exxon Mobil's products has increased the urgency of the ongoing efficiency work, end quote, the company said in the statement. You know, that was a PR person who said that. That was nice. It has increased the urgency of the ongoing efficiency work. Man, we laying off an estimated 14,000 employees or 15% of its base could lose jobs, including contractors. Spokesman Casey Norton said the figure will include losses from restructurings, retirements, and performance-based exits. Exxon had about 88,300 workers, including 13,300 contractors at the end of last year. The company is not targeting a fixed number of jobs, but does expect the result of its ongoing business review to eliminate about 15% of its current staffing. Bang, bang. Oh, Exxon Canada to cut 300 jobs. What is this? Reuters.com. VIA. CNN money or MSN money or who somebody money man U.S. oil man, uh, major Exxon said today it plans to re- reduce up to 300 positions in Canada Canada I'm sorry y'all man do, do y'all really care how it's pronounced I know people wouldn't I'm not even gonna start because I will get off track CNN business this is crazy and I, you know this is something I've been watching just because you know look <laughs> these fools these drug companies that make a drug and then the the FDA approves the drug and then guess what Oxycontin maker to plead guilty to federal criminal charges pay 8 billion dollars and will close the company Purdue Pharma the maker of Oxycontin has agreed to plead guilty to three federal criminal charges for its role in creating the nation's opiate crisis and will pay more than $8 billion and close down 
its entire company. The money will go to opiate treatment and abatement programs. The privately held company has agreed to pay $3.5 billion fine as well as forfeit an additional $2 billion in past profits in addition to $2.8 billion in degree to pay in a civil liability. Quote, Purdue Pharma actively thwarted the United States' efforts to ensure compliance and prevent diversion. End quote, said Drug Enforcement Administration Assistant Administrator Tim McDermott. Man, he, yo, he's not having it. Tim McDermott is not having it. Quote, the devastating ripple effect to Purdue's actions left lives lost and others addicted. End quote. The company doesn't have $8 billion in cash available to pay the fines. So Purdue will be dissolved as part of the settlement and its assets will be used to create a new, quote, public benefit company, end quote, controlled by a trust (laughs) designed for the benefit of the American public, baby. The Justice Department said it will function entirely in the public interest rather than to maximize profits. Its future earnings will go to paying the fines and penalties which in turn will be used to combat the opiate crisis. Look, I don't know about you, but I call bullcrap. Bullshat. I'm trying to be... They gave these fools the pass to sell this stuff on the markets, man. They're going to turn around and sue them and dissolve the company, create a new company that's owned by a trust. And I'm telling you, the trust is going to own the patent. And all the future profits, how, do, how are they going to dissolve a company and future earnings will go to paying the fines and penalties? Think about it. But look, they gave them a pass to sell this stuff. It created or helped to create an opiate crisis in the United States of America or the U.S. or the United States or America or Amrak al-Aqsa or however you say it, player. And oh, you got to dissolve the company like you're losing a life. It's a dead entity in the first place. It was a Trojan horse. Look what happened. It was all a dream. Or maybe it was all a plan. Moving on. Guitar Center is filing for bankruptcy. Guitar Center is filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, the latest company to go bankrupt during the pandemic that has decimated America's retail sector. I'm going to just let y'all know. That word decimated, the etymology of the word decimated means deci, deca means 10 or 10%. It means a t- 10% loss. So when something's decimated, it's lost 10%. And I mean, even writers use this thing. And I'm a nerd. I'm a super nerd. I'm sorry. But even writers use this word out of context. Player. Anyways, the 61-year-old company, the biz- biggest musical instrument retail in the United States, had tried to stay afloat during the pandemic by offering virtual music lessons. But Guitar Center was forced to close many of the stores in March during nationwide lockdowns, and it struggled to get customers to buy instruments as the economy headed south. Stores like Guitar Center depend on people making discretionary purchases, have been among the worst hit retailers this year. The company has nearly 300 locations in the U.S., many of which are in strip malls that had been struggling long before the pandemic crisis. The company said in its bankruptcy filing that it received up to $165 million in new equity investments and lenders agreed to reduce the company's debt by nearly $800 million. The company's primary owner, 
Aries Management Corporation, as well as a new equity investor, Brigade Capital Management, and a fund managed by the Carlisle Group will help finance Guitar Center through bankruptcy. Quote, this is an important and positive step in our process to significantly reduce our debt and enhance our ability to reinvest in our business to support long-term growth, end quote. Guitar Center CEO Ron Japinga. Yapinga. Japinga, Yapinga. That's the only two ways, probably, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, Ron said that in the statement, y'all. The company will continue to stay in business during the bankruptcy process, but it may not be able to capitalize on the holiday shopping boom. More than a quarter of Americans, 28%, say they will spend less on holiday gifts this year compared to last year. Gallup said in a new poll, marking the highest percentage Gallup has recorded in the category since 2012. Quote, we will continue to serve our customers and deliver on our mission of putting more music in the world. Yapinga said, he added, that the company expects to complete the process by the end of the year. So they're just restructuring their debt. It's a good time. You know, if you know what you're doing, now's a good time to go bankrupt, baby. Chapter 11, bankruptcy protection. We're going to reorganize, restructure, and we're going to come out here, come out of this bankrupt, bankruptcy stronger than ever. It's going to be glorious. Biden tax hike could give utility stocks a boost. Yay for utility stocks. Hold up, though. Utilities aren't typically the most exciting companies on Wall Street, but if President-elect Joe Biden is eventually able to reverse some of President Trump's tax cuts, what? Player, why would you want to do that? It could prove a big win for investors and power and water companies. Why? Utilities are legally allowed to pass higher tax expenses on to their customers. Oh, oh, that's how. And who are their customers? You and me. Water companies? Power companies? Experts are not predicting a major increase in rates. Of course you're not, especially in the still weak economy. But even a slight hike could help boost revenue and earnings for utilities as well as improve their balance sheets. Quote, any change in tax law will mean that the amount of money utilities collect goes up, end quote, said John Bartlett, president of Reeves Asset Management, which runs the Reeves Utility Income Trust. Quote, there may not be a huge windfall, but it helps utilities from a credit and debt standpoint. The bottom line is that utilities have advantages over the stocks if there is any tax reform. Utilities could use a jolt and under the auspices of helping our American companies and boosting the stock market, this dude finna roll back the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and allows these power and water companies to charge us more in taxes, fam. They're gonna lay the taxes down on the people. Pay attention. I gotta pay attention. We all gotta pay attention. Attention must be paid. Moving forward, we're almost done. Wall Street Journal. U.S. <laughs> United States found not liable for Puerto Rico bond losses. <laughs> A Washington judge rules against bondholders seeking to hold Uncle Sam responsible for for losses on on a three billion dollar bond. Yo, this is gangster. The United States government isn't liable for losses on three billion dollars. In Puerto Rican pension bonds, a federal judge said on Monday, rejecting efforts to put the U.S. taxpayers on the hook for compensation to investors. Judge Richard A. Hurtling of the U.S. Court of Federal Claims in 
said bond holders can't hold the United States government responsible for losses they may incur in the court supervised restructuring of Puerto Rico's debts. <laughs> uh, Federal appointing oversight board has been steering the restructuring since 2016. Man. So, oops, even though, even though Puerto Rico is like an insular possession of the United States, maybe even more of that, more than that, right? But I know for sure it's a, an insular possession. At most, it's, you know, some kind of territory. So, you know, it's like, it's like your, your child coming over my house and breaking stuff. And I'm like, your child's in my house. I'm like, I ain't responsible for that. <laughs> Warriors.com, Wall Street banks slam lending proposals. As unworkable and political Y'all need to check this out I'm about to read this Peep game Major US banks said today That they pushed back on a proposal To bar them from snubbing Controversial business sectors Such as oil and gas giants In an unlikely turn of events That has pitched Wall Street Against one of the Trump administration's Industry friendly regulators In a letter to acting Comptroller of currency Brian Brooks the Bank Policy Institute asked for more time to assess the, quote, unprecedented, end quote, proposal and requested to see data the agency used to assess its economic impact. The letter was signed by three other major Washington bank groups, which combined represent dozens of major lenders, including J.P. Morgan Chase and Company, Bank of America Corp., Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stisnami. Last week, the Comptroller proposed a rule ensuring, quote, fair access, end quote, to bank services for all types of legal businesses based on a specific customer risk assessment rather than broad client categories. It applies to the largest banks that may wield pricing power over sectors of the economy. So if, if, you, if you hold power over certain sectors of the economy, let's say, uh, just to be chill, you know, well, it's Fargo. I'm just saying this. This is not true. You know, I'm just saying this. This is an example. But Wells Fargo, you know, gives more loans to CPAs than any other bank, which allows CPAs, the sector of CPAs, to thrive in cities. You know, but they may control, you know, that type of sector. More more broadly, they're talking about, you know, if they're lending to financial um, investors, if they're lending to, you know, uh, uh, like, uh, well, we got utility companies and stuff, you know, the, any any sector of the economy saying that they can't, basically, that they can't, they, they have to uh, ensure fair access. Well, the banks don't like that. The proposal aims to address concerns among Republicans and business groups that oil and gas majors are being deprived of funding as banks come under increasing investor pressure to curb lending to controversial sectors. And this is under the auspices, excuse me, of, you know, oil and gas. But I mean, I think this goes deeper. But here, quote, it's completely unworkable government mandate designed to address a particular political problem, but would by its terms require every covered bank to offer every financial product to every business and consumer in the country, end quote. John Court, general counsel at BPI. He said the agency doesn't appear to have the legal authority to propose such a sweeping rule, basically, but they're bucking. What they're bucking? By its term, it will require every covered bank to offer every financial product to every business 
and consumer in the country. So no preferential treatment. Banks have a relatively short 45-day period to review the proposal if Brooks, who is seen by Democrats and consumer groups too, as too industry-friendly, doesn't permit more time. And this is something I'm watching. It may, you know, it may have something to do, you know, ultimately with us, you know, here down here at the wee bottoms or, or not. I don't know. Last but not least, CNBC gold up. <laughs> Believe it or not, weak U.S. data hits Wall Street. Gold rose today as an unexpected rise in U.S. jobless claims slammed the brakes on the previous day's rally on Wall Street. And the precious metal bounced off a sharp slide toward $1,800 in prior sessions. A subdued dollar spurred gold by making it cheaper for those holding it, as well as in other currencies. And we know, we know, typically, you know, gold moves inversely to the dollar. So that's it for current events, y'all. Appreciate y'all. You know what I'm saying? Welcome to the foundation. Let's get moving. The Foundation Private Finance 201. I trust y'all enjoyed the last show. You learned a lot. You know, I mean, that's that's the whole point of this. This little, you know, private finance series. So, like I said last week, we you know pretty kept pretty much kept it to the basics. This week we're gonna jump in a little deeper. <clears throat> And off the bat, I want to discuss um, right now, and I'm, you know, I don't give legal advice. I'm not an attorney. I don't give financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. But I do want to say those people who have 401ks right now, the CARES Act allows for penalty three penalty 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 free withdrawals due to economic hardship. Which means you can take money out of your retirement, your 401k, your IRA. If you're experiencing economic hardship due to the pandemic. And there's no penalty. This is unprecedented for these times. I recommend it to my peoples, my my pops, that he take a lot of his stuff out and diversify into precious metals to get some gold, get some silver. I counsel most anyone who will listen to balance your your portfolio with precious metals, at least ten percent. You know, I, like I'm not giving financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor, but I'm saying it's 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 what it's it's what those who understand markets and how markets work 
is what they do. So maybe you should think about that. Um, I wouldn't take any money out of my 401k unless I was putting it somewhere else, not to spend it um, and not to invest it in the stock market or something silly like that. It would only be to purchase insurance for the paper uh, assets, the paper stocks, the paper bonds that were in the portfolio, because that's what gold and silver is. It's insurance for the paper money. The stock market's going down. The value of the dollar is decreasing. The value of gold and precious metals inversely increase. And it's, it's just the way it works. So, you know, I just wanted to touch on that. But, yo, check this out. And that, that is part of, you know, Private Finance 201. You got to understand and recognize specific opportunities as well as know what, um, you know, how to how to fully, you know, follow through properly and, you know, consistently with these opportunities. So let's get into, you know, I mean, hey, let's get into this show, you know what I mean? Like I prep for this. And I want to start out in preparation that we understand that there are three essential elements to private wealth. You know, um, private wealth preservation. Three essential elements. I suggest you take notes. And those three elements are control, flexibility, and tax minimization. I'm not a tax attorney. I don't give legal advice. I'm not an accountant. I don't work at the Federal Reserve Bank. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I'm just a, you know, average. You know what I'm saying? But control, flexibility, and tax minimization. These things are to be understood. These things are, are to be, you know, um, implemented, uh, prioritized. So when we get into this, I want to, you know, there's two, There's I, I studied wealthy families, historical wealthy families, uh, the Vanderbilts, the Rothschilds, uh, the DuPonts. Uh, a lot of different families that were wealthy um, the Rockefellers uh, Carnegie these different these different families these wealthy families and wealthy individuals I studied extensively and today I wanted to start off you know finance 201 with some facts why not you know speak of truth right here right so in my studies, I realized that the Vanderbilts, um, Vanderbilt, he established a an empire, and in 1877, when he passed, he left um, 104 million dollars to his heirs, and that was in 1877. Now, the Rothschild, Sir Amsher Rothschild, um, left, you know, a little, a little more, you could say significantly more to his heirs when he passed. 
But 92 years later, the heirs gathered, you know, at the Vanderbilt um, reunion. You know, all the Vanderbilt heirs gathered. And out of 120 descendants of Vanderbilt, from, you know, one man, 1877, and 92 years later, he had 120 descendants. And out of all 120 descendants, none of them were millionaires. Not one. Now, Rothschild, on the other hand, the Rothschild family is estimated to be worth between $1 and $100 trillion today. And the difference is, is, is not how much money they left their heirs. It's one man left their heirs, his estate, and all the wealth that he had acquired over his life. The other man left the heirs an estate, a family bank, and a system for building wealth. And I mean, in, in my research, I found that the Roth, uh, Amschel Rothschild left three main rules to his heirs. Now, he left all this stuff in trust, obviously. And the successors had three main rules that they had to go by. All family wealth was to be held in one family bank. All loans must be repaid. So you you didn't get money for free from the family. Yeah, your family has money. You know you have money. Usually there's a there's a pretty loose application process because your family and then you get a loan and you must pay back the loan. A lot of times it's not interest. Most times it may be a little bit, but a lot of times it's not. Anytime the family bank borrows money to an outsider of the family, an outsider individual, family, or business, then there's interest charged. But all the wealth is be held in one family bank. All the loans must be repaid. And every year they are to get together, which you must do at least once a year when you're administering a trust as trustees. You must have at least one meeting a year and share the lessons learned through banking. Now, through my studies of wealthy families, wealthy individuals, the reason why I study wealthy families and wealthy individuals is because I want to be a wealthy family and um, to have a wealthy family and to be a wealthy individual. Now, will I be wealthy in my lifetime? It depends on what your definition of wealthy is. But is it possible for me to allow for my family to be wealthy? Yes, absolutely possible. Why? Because I have specific knowledge and I'm going to share with you some of that knowledge that I have. And it's very specific. And I'm going to say it again. I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm not going to give you financial advice. This is for educational and informational purposes only. Educational, informational, maybe even entertainment. Maybe you find it entertaining. Cool. And it's for entertainment purposes only. So back to the three essential elements of wealth preservation, control, flexibility, tax minimization. Now, obviously, we're assuming that if you made it to private finance 201, you 
or you and you and your family are structured privately. That's the expectation. If you're not, you can still benefit from this. Now, I want to talk about one aspect of the run rate. And we, I'm not going to get into what the run rate is and all the aspects of the run rate. But what I'm going to say, because I've said it on previous shows, I'm pretty sure. I don't know the name of the show off the top of my head, but yo. Those of you, you know, who be checking this checking out the show and listening you know what I'm talking about but one permanent industry that I'm focusing on in this finance class I guess 201 is the charity there's always going to be a need for charity always it's not going anywhere it's a permanent industry but also in banking and loans so banking and loans is always going to be a permanent industry and there's always going to be a need for someone to need a loan or need money that they don't have because they want to buy something or invest something that they can't afford and in this permanent industry of banking a lot of people think of a brick and mortar bank and they'll be like oh okay well you know that's that's cantankerous because how am I going to create a bank I mean come on man that's that's an unattainable you know uh, pursuit and I would likely agree with you but you got to shift your focus you know we, we private so when I say bank I'm really talking um, I'm really talking about how you structure your finances or a certain segment of finances. Like say, you know, you have finances, you have a, a checking account uh, for expenses. You may have another checking account that holds, you know, the money that you deposit for your property taxes or something like that. I don't know. People, people do their finances differently. But in this instance, um, banking requires income right so in order for you and your family to create income the first thing you have to understand is that family businesses statistically is the most common way a family moves from the employer side to the owner and investor side of the game it's the most common way so if you don't have income coming into your estate then there's no t- need, no reason, no need to talk or discuss a bank because without income, there's no funds and without funds, there's no funded loan and there's no funds to loan. There's no loans. And I, you know, I trust that that makes sense. So, you know, understand family business, understand the tax advantages of a, of a family business, of a family LLC or corporation. And that's remember when I said three essential elements of wealth, control, flexibility, and tax minimization. And then, you know, the tax advantages properly structured LLC or corporation are crazy. You can't even you can't even understand. Um, a family business is an additional credit profile and you know there's limited liability if it if it's bankrupt. You file chapter 11 and don't have to worry about your private personal assets even being encumbered. But here we go. When we're talking about life insurance um, most people think about death benefit and why do I need life insurance? And they think about, you know, you say, I say life insurance, people think death. And it's crazy. You know, I think it's kind of crazy because it's called life insurance for a reason. But I understand most people know terms and stuff like that. But no one thinks about bank when you think about life insurance, man. Nobody. And maybe you've heard some shows that I've done on life insurance and stuff, but I don't think I've ever dropped it like this. So when you have life insurance, when you have a policy, you know, um, with the company that pays dividends, 
and it's, it's not a term policy. You have to have a specific policy. It's called a whole a whole policy. W H O L E. Usually, typically, these types of policies are offered by mutual, um, you know, uh, mutual companies, different type of life, life insurance companies that have mutual companies as well. But you know, I'm not a life insurance. I'm not an authorized or licensed life insurance dude. So pfft, whatever. But I do know that it's whole life, and I do know that it's with the company that pays dividends. So in this situation, it's guaranteed tax-free 4% earnings. And I know you might be like, well, 4% ain't too much. It's not nothing. But when I discuss this concept of a bank with you, you understand that 4% is a lot. And on top of that, there's more than just 4%, right? So we got something where guaranteed tax-free earnings of 4%. And you'd be like, okay, hold up. So you talking about guaranteed tax-free earnings of 4%, and you're talking about paying dividends. Are you sure you're talking about life insurance? I would say yes, yes. I'm absolutely sure I'm talking about life insurance. Now, what most people understand life insurance is a contract, and there's different types of life insurance. But the specific type of whole life insurance, you know, uh, dividend paying life insurance, specifically, there's, it, it, when it's structured a certain type of way with different types, with a specific types of riders, paid up additions, so on and so forth. Um, the premiums of the policy, all right, are an expense, which is a write-off. Now, individually, let's say you're an individual, you get life insurance, you're the owner of the policy, so the premium comes in your name, and the beneficiaries are your children. You don't have a structure, private structure set up. There's still tax benefits for that. What are they? I don't know the individual tax benefits for, you know, um, paying life insurance premiums. But I know there's tax benefits for it. I know the tax benefits are exponential on the private side. It's also on the public side. You can look into BOLI, B-O-L-I, which is bank-owned life insurance, which is very, very similar concept, y'all. But this, look. So you got you got your trust, right? The trust is the owner of the policy, right? So because the owner of the policy is the trust, the, the the payment or the, the bill comes in the name of the trust, which means if you're structured properly and you're, you're, you're administering the correct type of trust, that is an expense to the trust. So it's a write-off to the trust. It's, um, it's an expense before anything, any taxes, taxable, um, Income is calculated. So now, what you got to understand is, once the trust makes that premium payment to the policy, right, to keep the policy in force, but you still got life insurance. There's a large percentage. Don't quote me on this. You got to give him my insurance guy. I'll give you his number if you email me, admin at welcome to the foundation.com. You got to be serious. Don't waste his time. I have my homegirls in Louisiana put a hex on you, fam. I'm not playing. Don't waste his time. But there's a certain um, percentage of the premium of the bill for the life insurance policy. The policy bill. There's a certain percentage. It's like 91%. It's between 88, 83. It's in the high 80s and low 90s of the bill you just paid is now available to be loaned back 
<laughs> now, hold up, hold up. Let me back up. So you telling me that because the policy is owned by the trust, the trust pays the policy, deducts that payment from its taxable income. It takes an allowable deduction. Yes. It's an expense. Yes. But the trust has access to this pretty much the same amount of money in the form of a loan. Yes. How long afterwards? About 30 days. So in a lot of ways, you know, we are still in control of the money, but it's expensed legally from the trust. They're going to take me off the air, man. They're going to, they're going to mess up the show. They, I, man, I think I'm, I feel like I ain't never felt like I'm saying, I don't care. I'm going to keep going. So if it's an allowable expense against the trust indenture, which is the deduction, so it's non-taxable income, but you still have access to a large portion of that de- and the form of a loan? Well, yes. Okay, so what's the loan? So you, got, you can loan it back to the trust at interest. The interest is typically about 47 4.9% typically. Don't quote me on this, man. This is, this is from my experience. All right, but the interest that you pay on that loan is captured inside the policy. So that interest adds to the cash value in the policy, man. And it builds up cash value in the policy over and over again, over and over time by taking out loans, paying them back, taking out loans, paying it back. Wealthy families, instead of going and getting loans from credit union banks, they do it like this and they add to their wealth. They capture the interest that they would otherwise pay banks and credit unions within their own family bank. And over years and over time, this compounds. Now, look, I got clients that use these types of policies, these types of methods to be... um, Investors, private investors. You ever heard of private investors? Usually, you can get your hands on some, you know, money. A lot of times, real estate investors or or real estate developers get like a hundred thousand dollars, but it's at like twenty five percent or something crazy. And they got a mortgage land in the property, so if they don't pay it back, the 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 lender gets. Usually, that's a private. That's that's some kind of private lender, and most times they lending that out of a life insurance policy, man. And the risk is minimal because let's say you don't pay the loan back. Well, whatever you don't pay back is just deducted from the death, from the death benefit. So when there's the distribution to the heirs, they just will say, you know, the death benefit is $500,000. You had $200,000 worth of loans out. $300,000 goes to the heirs. And when, when you get a loan like this from your life insurance policy, there's no set repayment. You don't have to pay a certain minimum every 30 days. You can pay whenever you want. You don't even have to pay it back. Who's going to pursue the debt? The board of trustees? Um, aren't y'all on the board? This is how the, this is one way, this is one way how the wealthy perpetuate their wealth. 
And then the death benefit, typically in wealthy families, the beneficiary of the policy is the family trust. So every time a family member dies, there's an influx of wealth that goes into the family estate. And that's how, that's, this is one way, this is one way how the rich get richer is through life insurance. Guaranteed tax-free 4% earnings. The rich pay themselves first. The rich pay themselves with interest. The rich recapture all money they spend. This is how they do it. This is one of the ways they do it. They do it through life insurance policies. And you can repay loans with income from the family business. I mean, think about it. As long as the entity isn't related, you can make a loan to the entity and the entity can pay the loan back. You can encumber <laughs> your family corporation with loans and maybe even a financing statement of UCC1. And you know, I was reading. <clears throat> I was reading about bankruptcy how to be running the company through bankruptcy restructuring the debt letting the, the creditors or reduce the debt by 800 million and stuff okay so check this out if you had a family business right that was owned by you know most the majority or you know the shares or the interest in the business was owned by a family trust or something like that asset trust I don't know and you know the company's in a lot of debt baby it's in a lot of debt and you know maybe the board votes to hey we're gonna file bankruptcy this is a lot of debt we're gonna restructure this debt we're gonna hey we're gonna get this debt off the corporation and you can ensure that the lender quote the lender has a first-in-time, first-in-line lien on the company. So which creditors do you think are going to get the low end of the stick? This is a game. This is a game that's played on us. And when I figured this out, it blew my mind. I had to tell people. But I had to figure out how I was going to tell people. And it's very specific. Y'all ain't going to see my face on YouTube. Like, I'm not playing out here. But I know this stuff is real. Look. If your family trust gave loans to your to your LLC, <laughs> I don't know, way back in the day, LLC never paid it back, whatever, and then it goes bankrupt, and the family trust has a first-in-time, first-in-line UCC financing statement lien filed with the security agreement against the company for loans from way back in the day that were never collected on, who's going to get paid in the restructuring first? Now you understand, like, look, do you care? Do you care if you bankrupt your company? No, because if you got the first lien on it from one of the private structures from your estate, you know that your private estate, your family is going to be the first ones to get paid off of that restructuring. Just keep arm's length and don't self-deal and it's, it's a cakewalk. This stuff happens every day, multiple times a week. I mean, I'm serious. And we wouldn't know it unless we were taught what to look for. And I'm trying to teach y'all what to look for. I'm trying to teach y'all how to look at the world and the system and the economy and the economics 
the way it is supposed to be looked at, not the way you were taught to look at. Because this is what's going on. We getting richer and richer over here. If you structure privately and you got the right structures in place and you got the right contracts in place, by the way, it's a life insurance contract. Contract makes the law. It's a private contract between the trust and the life insurance company. You can do your research. Walt Disney, Ray Kroc, the McDonald's dude. There's so many people that kept their businesses afloat, that expanded their businesses, that allowed their families to not feel a reduction in their quality of life. By using cash value in their life insurance policy. This is nothing new. It's just not taught to us. We get sold term life insurance. And they send us these things in the mail talking about how cheap it is to get $100,000 in coverage. But then when we turn a certain age, the coverage cuts off and we don't pay them fools thousands and thousands of dollars over the year for no benefit. Zero. That's called term insurance. If you don't, if you don't bite it within the term, you get nothing. Nothing at all. There's no cash value. There's nothing that you can borrow against. That's what we get. They take the whole policies, the whole life insurance policies with cash value that are actually assets. If you've ever filled out a loan application for a car or a house or a property, you see on the application, there's a spot to list, list life insurance policies. There's a spot to list stocks and bonds and it's under the assets section and then there's another section for liabilities what do you owe you got student loans you got a car how much is your rent how much is your other property payment that's the liabilities most people don't understand the proper life insurance contract is a lie is a is a liability in in the right people's hands well in the wrong people's hands but to, it depends on the side the proper life insurance contract for me if i'm the Life insurance company is a liability to you. It's called a term life insurance policy. Now, getting income into your state is the main thing. I'm not saying that. But knowing what to do with the income. People talk about, oh, I make this money, I make this money. I don't care how much money you make. How much do you keep? Do you know what you're doing? Do you have a private finance degree? And I ain't talking about paperwork. It shows. It shows in the action. Now, a lot of people, you going to listen to this, you be like, yeah, man, I don't get it. Maybe you don't. But what I'm going to say is, whether you get it or not, it is what it is. And, and this is it. This is one of the main tools that is used. And, and honestly, it's one of the easiest tools for us to get our hands on. You know, when we're talking about the run rate, you're talking about, you know, permanent industries. And there's three main permanent industries that are involved in the run rate. These are industries, sectors of the economy, that if you get enough money into these industries that's equal or greater than what your business is earning or what you're earning. Then you can get income equal to or greater than what you're earning for life and you don't have to work
And one of the things, you know, I know people, man, they got millions and millions of dollars in life insurance. I know a, I know a guy who does, you know, private consulting like I do, who had a client that got so much life insurance on himself that no life insurance company would give him life insurance anymore because he had like a hundred and some policies, 109 policies or something. You can get multiple policies on yourself. You can get policies on anybody who will consent to getting a life insurance policy on them. Large companies and corporations do these things all the time. My honey, when I with my company package, I get life insurance. And then something happens to them, and then the wife is looking for the life insurance, and then she realizes in the contract that the, the company gets the payout. The company was the beneficiary of the insurance. So you repay loans with income from the family business and you pay the premiums with income and all the repayment of the loan is a write-off for a business. You can write off interest on the repayment of the loans a business can. That's what I'm saying. There's tax advantages to businesses. If you do it right, you know, I know what you're doing. A repayment of a loan is not income. So if I loan you money, you pay it back. I didn't make income. It's not taxable. So you get you get the loan repayment, got that income coming in. You got premiums being paid, which is adding cash value to the policy. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm gonna say this: this is this is free. This is for this is for all the fat feet. This is for all the clown feet out there. It's for them pancakes. If you're trying to be a private lender, you got to get a nice contract and a mortgage. I'm serious. Yeah, a mortgage. And whatever you're going to loan, you need to encumber 150%. So if you've been a loan. $1,000, you need a lien on property that's worth $1,500. Think like a mortgage company. Think like a, a bank that finances vehicles, like a car. They got a lien on that title. You don't make the payments, they come take the car. That's a secured loan. Secured transaction. Same thing with a mortgage. That's a secured loan. A secured transaction. You don't make the payments. They come, They take the house. You gonna be a private lender? You be, you need to be able to take something if they don't make the payments. And if if you don't have the the legal authority to take something if they don't make the payments, you private lending wrong. Absolutely wrong. So having having the right policy is important. Having multiple policies is important. Oh, side note, have you ever heard of trust fund babies? And they turn twenty one, they get they get access to their trust fund. Let me tell you the truth: nine times out of ten, they ain't getting access to their trust fund. They getting access to the cash value that's available in the life insurance policy that was opened on them when they were born, and they got to pay it back.
and the owner and the beneficiary of that policy on them is their family trust or one of their family structures. Never thought about it like that, huh? If you think about it like that, it's like, oh, okay, that's how these foods be perpetuating their wealth through multiple generations. When you're talking about multi-generational wealth, you're talking about 300 years. The Vanderbilt didn't even make it 150. The Rothschilds would be good. What's up with your family? And what are you going to do to ensure its success? I suggest that you get into trustee training. I suggest that you sign up for the email list. Did an email offering blast. I think it was yesterday or the day before. I'm going to do a reminder blast in a couple days. But trustee training is a place to be. You see what's going on with the public. You see what's going on with the food prices. You see what you see the prices in the in the grocery stores? At the corners, you see the prices. You see what's going on with the layoffs and the unemployment and, and the canceling of benefits and the moratorium on evictions is about to be up. The moratoria on um, foreclosures is about to expire. And they're about to cut off extra unemployment benefits. And people are like, yo, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to restructure your estate. You can't afford it not to get privately restructured properly. You can't afford not to get into structures that don't owe their existence to the government or the state. And therefore are not governed by the government or the state. There's a lot of there's a lot of laws about to be passed. A lot about man, look, it's about to go down. And unless you know what to do, you and your family's gonna get caught up in the shuffle. And people feel like, ooh, I got time, I got time. You ain't got no time. You do not have time. You do not have time. You, can, I can ask trustees right now how difficult it is getting to open up trust accounts. I've been doing trustee training for like five years. It is becoming more and more difficult to open up a trust account. They're getting weird. They're talking crazy. They want extra stuff. They want to send it as legal. Many times they're not calling people back. It's really going down. It's absolutely going down. You you can't afford to wait. You really can't afford to wait. You cannot afford to wait. I know I get out a lot of information. I know I know there's a lot of people I never hear from. Listen to probably hundreds of my shows, right? Got buku information and never circle back. But I bet you money, y'all are going to be the ones that are going to have issues if you're ever in an audit. The IRS is ever, you know, the computers, algorithms everywhere. The computer just decides to up, up, flag this one. Now you're getting a demand letter from the Internal Revenue Service. What do you do? Most people know how to play like they know how to administer a trust, make it look good. But when set with opposition, fold up. It's over. It's rap, rap, rizzle, rapping team. Unless you are learning and know trust administration, 
knowing about trust and someone sending you a trust indenture doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It's, it's the substance over the form. The substance of each individual transaction is legal precedent. It's dismissed for failure to state a claim for which relief can be granted. That's how the legal system works. And unless you make a claim for which they can grant relief, you ain't getting no help. Ain't nobody go, hey, 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 I was sitting over here. You know, I, I was listening to y'all and I realized you got a, you got a private trust. Oh, okay. And you don't really know what you're doing, right? Let me, let me go in here and help you out. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to, you know, just out of the kindness of my heart. I just happen to be in the courtroom. Yeah, right. That ain't going to happen. You know, and you know not to be facetious or to call anyone out but I hear it all the time Jesus take the wheel alright you can get audited by the IRS with your weird trust estate and your weird trust estate that you got from some weird old guru and let Jesus take the wheel and the IRS will take all your bread all your bread all take, take everything take your house take everything so Private Finance 201. I appreciate you checking out the show. This is a continuation of last week's show, Private Finance 101. If you didn't check that out, if you're checking this one out, I would highly, highly advise that you check out last week's show. You know, I also suggest you check out the show I did, The Hidden History of the Education System or something like that. It wasn't that long ago. The hidden history of the education system or something like that. And learn who has been teaching you and why they've been teaching you what you've been taught in public school. And help lift the fog, you know, over your eyes and over the eyes of your people around you. And look, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you like I tell the trustees who sign up, man, and they get to talk to me. Look, the people closest to you, the people that you know, your family and your closest friends, they're going to be the last people to listen to you about this information. You have to show them. You don't have to show them. You don't have to show them. They see a difference and they start asking you questions. That's the only way you're going to teach most of the people close to you. And it's going to be sad and, and it's a disappointment because, you know, my man right there, he got a brain and he's smart. I know he can get this and I know she's good with this and she's good administratively. So I know she could be a good trustee. My sister, that don't matter what you know and what you think. You got to show the people closest to you. They got to see something different going on. Like, oh, I see you. You know, you're over there pushing a. What you call it? What is that? A, a, a Mercedes? When'd you get that? How much you pay for that? Actually, I didn't pay for it. The trust paid for it. Okay, so now you're talking. They're gonna be asking you questions then, because you're looking different now. You and you're talking different too. You're talking different before, but now you're looking different. You're doing different things, and you're still talking different. So now they're gonna start. But other than that, you let your family and your friends just chill. Let them do what they do. Don't waste your time. Put your head in them books, and get your training on. And show them what it is because these people don't have the same drive as you. They don't have the same intentions as you. You know, you may love them and stuff, but they're not doing with their time what you're doing, which is checking out, you know, informative internet radio shows, man. Trying to learn. And I applaud you for that. But I, also, I suggest that you, you know, if, you, if you're if you on the fence, jump off because you don't want to slip and, you know, hit your privates. Make a decision. 
Admin at WelcomeToTheFoundation.com. You know, I'm here to help. It's my mission. It's the mission of the trust, um, the SOL Trust, as well as the Foundation Trust to, you know, disseminate this information. So, you know, SOL in conjunction with the Foundation, in conjunction with High Frequency Radio Network, with the oversight of the Creator and the ancestors and Big Brother Uncle Yusuf L. This is how we put it down, you know. And you can you can start at go around, start asking people about life insurance and whole life and cash value and borrowing against it and stuff, and they're gonna ask you who you know. Or they're gonna they don't know what you're talking about, or they're gonna play dumb. It, that's the three things going on. This is the game. This is the game that's played on the public. This is the game that's played on us. And I want you to know. So one of the best things you can do is get life insurance, whole life insurance policy. On yourself and on your children, whoever your children, the younger they are, they do, it'll never be as cheap to get a life insurance policy on a new than it is on a newborn baby. As you get older, it gets more and more expensive. Now, I wouldn't run away from that expense because the higher the premium, the higher the cash value that's available. And then you get with my guy, and he'll teach you how to pay all of your money into your life insurance and borrow out the money and then pay your debts with that. You're talking to this guy paid off almost a million dollars in debt in like 31 months using on life insurance. This stuff will change your life, but you got to be properly structured. I'm telling you, you really do. I absolutely do. It's fundamentally important. That you come out of her so that you are not a partaker of her plagues. When they start doing all these state taxes and all, man, look, you ain't going to be a part of that because you got private trust. No state capacity law impairing the obligation of the contract. That is definitely a, a claim where which relief can be granted. Yeah, you know, this right here, this right here, and there's, there's a statute right here, and then they did this, and, um, you know, according to the contract, it says this, so, you know, um, we're appealing for breach of contract. Oh, sounds like a claim for which relief can be granted. Blah, blah. And you can do your dance, and you can do your dance, and you can do your dance. That's about it, man. I prepped um, kind of heavy for this show. I woke up this morning, and I didn't know if I was going to do the finance tool or one, if I was going to do something else, you know. So all day I've been prepping for this show Off and on I'm going to be honest, I can't lie All day off and on I've been prepping for this show So I'm not going to take any callers But I love you very much And yes, I have been shying away from callers um, Not for any particular reason But besides the fact that You know, it's hard for me to sit down For two hours, man (laughs) Uh, It really is Um, And as well as I've been sitting down pretty much all day, like I said, off and on prepping for the show. So I wanted to get it right. And, um, you know, I trust that you appreciate that. I trust that there's no hard feelings that, you know, I haven't been very apt to take callers. But I, I trust that you understand. We got about a minute left in the broadcast anyways. But, you know, hey, I'm just trying to, you know, my thing is, is I'm looking to assist 
in your private transition. I'm also looking to assist in your upgrade of your knowledge, your upgrade in your understanding, your upgrade in your implementation, your upgrade in your action as well as your performance, whatever that may be. But, you know, we all are here on this earth with a certain amount of energy, infinite energy with a finite amount of time to convert it. And there is no maximum wage. There's no ceiling. There's no, you can't pay anyone more than this. There's no maximum wage because there can be no price put on your life or your time. That's why there's only a minimum wage. And understanding that, I think, as well as understanding that you are a creator is one of the first steps into, you know, taking that power and moving forward and moving on to another, you know, another step in your development. And, you know, I would love nothing more than just to be a catalyst, an assistant to your journey and in this transition. So, you know, with that being said, I trust y'all enjoyed the show. I trust you learned quite a bit. I trust that, you know, this helped to shift your mind a little bit more, just a little bit more with every show, just a little bit more so that you can easily take this first step and make that entire transition effortlessly. And, uh, you know, through trustee training and through, you know, here, the foundation, um, I want to, I want to assist in making that happen. So email me admin at welcome to the foundation.com. Go to www. Who does that? Who says www? Go to welcome to the foundation.com. Sign up for the email list. You're missing out if you're not signed up, you know, and, um, Take the leap. Make it happen. Sometimes you got to get down to get up. Uh, Sell some stuff. You'll get it back and you'll get it better. It's all about what sacrifices you're willing to make for the things that you want. And if we haven't understood that and realized that yet, just please believe that that's what it is. I'm telling you and I'm not lying to you. I would never lie to you. It's all about what you want and the sacrifices you're willing to make. But... I suggest that you get on it. Time's running out. And I'm here. Whenever you're ready. So with that being said, y'all have a great week. Enjoy yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Self-care is important, man. We missing out, man. Clip your toenails. You know, clean out clean out your toenails, man. Clip your cuticles, you know. Shampoo your hair an extra time. You know what I'm saying? Rub on some some lotion. Go get some some new lotion. The $8 a bottle lotion. Go get it. Quit playing. So what? You deserve it. Get the $8 a bottle lotion. Put it on your skin. Chill. Put your phone down. Light a candle. Put on some jazz music. Take a hot shower. Sit and chill. Put an incense on. Clip your toenails. Take care of your cuticles. Rub some lotion on you. You know what I'm saying? And say 10 things that you're thankful for. And make it a routine. Take care of yourself. Enjoy yourself. But you must take care of yourself in order to enjoy yourself. 
and make it happen. I trust in you. I believe in you. I know you can do it. So with that being said, you have a great week, a wonderful week. Do your dance. Don't make no excuses. And I'll catch you next time here on the hottest radio network on the planet. High Frequency Radio Network. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. I'll catch you next week. Peace to the guys. High Frequency Radio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.